Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. First of all, a garden it's not. It's a train station, really. One flight up and you're on the fabled parquet floor. Now, before you get all misty-eyed about the parquet, take a closer look. Bleep you. This is, this is our way. Yes, loud. Stevens is pretty smart and knows what he's doing. That 3 and D roll. Oh, it's the T-League. If I had uh, Antoine Walker's body, I'd be an all-star. <laughs> and with that... The season is here. Welcome, everybody, to the inaugural Celtics blog banners broadcast. The first one of the season, the regular season. We started this over the off season, and now it's time for some real basketball talk. And we got three games in the books now. The 76ers win on Friday night, but losses to the Cavaliers and Bucks. I'm Bobby Manning. With me today is Jeff Clark once again founder and owner of Celtics Blog, as well as Keith Smith, basketball writer across many sites, including our own, and a cap expert, which we need today, desperately, as we go through the Celtics situation. And when it comes to the Celtics situation, guys, we all know we all know how we're feeling right now. You can just see the glum look on our faces. It's not as bad as a week ago. A week ago, I was doing the post-game show and could just barely talk. It like felt useless to talk about basketball that night. But it was it was just terrible. Everybody knows what happened at this point with Gordon Hayward, and I don't even want to talk about that. I just want to hear from you guys before this before we start talking about the Celtics. How much life? Did that take out of the season for both of you personally? A lot. <laughs> so we went from um, title contenders and, and hoping to maybe knock off the Cavs in, a, in an upset to go to the finals to now we're looking for silver linings and, and we're looking for development of the young guys. And I mean, I, I tweeted out today, it almost feels like a rebuilding year. And I know yeah. we've got Kyrie in the, in the house and I know we've got some, some good pieces, Marcus Morris and our, and our young guys are developing quickly. Uh, but it's also, you know, our, our expectations on the whole are lowered at this point. And we're looking for, you know, development and, and, you know, for, for Kyrie to get his feet wet in the system. Um, 
and then hopefully next year hit the ground running with with Gordon Hayward and and whoever we get in the draft and and things of that nature. But uh, barring any other injuries from anybody else, uh, there's no guarantees of that. I think you're looking at the Wizards and and the Raptors, you know, leaping ahead of us at this point. So and even the Bucks, as we saw on uh, certainly the yeah, Bucks, yeah. Wednesday night, Jonas, the strides he has made have been massive, and that just makes this feel even worse. All these teams have their guys and. Celtics still have Kyrie Irving. He's just arriving here. But Hayward was really going to be the guy I felt like that maybe kind of matched LeBron's greatness or at least approached LeBron's greatness in this offense. Keith, what are your feelings now? The rookies are certainly the main focus now. The young players are the main focus. But as far as playoff expectations, are there going to be any real expectations for this team to make a run deep into the playoffs even with Hayward down? Yeah, I don't know about deep into the playoffs. That seems a little unrealistic at this point. I think there's a good chance that they should still make the playoffs. There's more than enough talent here to to do that. I've heard some suggesting, you know, I'll oh, just go into the tank and go like that's not going to happen. <laughs> you know, it's just it's not it's there, there's too much talent here for that to happen. So, you know, it's what for me, it's like it, I go back to. Uh, anybody out there who's a Patriots fan, it was like like 2008, Tom Brady, you know, handful of plays into the season, he goes down. And what it feels like is you're a kid on Christmas morning and you got the coolest present around and your parents took it away 10 minutes later. You know, and you're like, what what happened? You know, why 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 can't I have this nice thing? <laughs> so it's, um, you know, it's definitely frustrating like that. That part. You know, really worries me and I and, you know, Jeff hit on a point there with, you know, hopefully no other injuries and. That's what the worry is now. You lose the first guy, that's one thing. That's going to happen to just about every team in the league. It's going to lose somebody who's a key rotation piece. And Maybe again, not an all-star, but yeah. Exactly, yeah. And some are going to lose you know, superstar-type guys. But it's then when you lose that next guy. Who, who can replace him? You can yeah. only replace so many guys. <laughs> so that becomes a challenge. Already getting gloomy on us. <laughs> We're looking for some silver lining. Jeff provided it, and then Keith shot it right down. <laughs> anyway. I um, live in a hyper-realistic world, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it was the perfect storm, and I hate to use that phrase to describe it, but I, I think just how gruesome the injury was the stage they were playing on in that first game against Cleveland, it could have been even more intense if Isaiah was playing in that game. But just what those two teams were going through going in, the expectations that they were going to be the two teams, and then six minutes in, that's the guy that goes down. Like, it is just... I know you both lived through Reggie Lewis, Len Bias. I didn't go through those. So this, like, it's not a death. I mean, he's going to be back next year, but... right. Probably the yeah. worst I have ever felt watching basketball. And I, some other people talked about this too. You know, games used to be on tape delay, stuff like that. Like, this was real time. Everyone's reaction on live TV, the players' faces, the faces in the crowd. Like, it, it just sent chills down your spine. If it, I, I'm not going to go back and watch it, but I imagine if I did, I'd get that same feeling once again. Yeah. And Jeff. You know, where, where's yeah. it rank for you? And, you know, we're not going to rank tragedies, but like just the feeling of watching that. Uh, it was gut wrenching in the moment just because it was right there in your face. You know, I, I heard about Len Bias later. I heard about Reggie Lewis later. And this, you know, and to keep a little bit of perspective here, I mean, yes, it was a gruesome injury. He's got a you, lot of pain to go through, but you can't compare it at all. I mean, this has got we're talking about 
a, a multimillionaire who's got a, a you know by all accounts a, a loving family supporting him and friends and family a great organization that's going to be with him and he's going to be back playing basketball knock on wood in in a year's time so mm-hmm. all things in perspective but at the same time in terms of expectations for the season from a basketball standpoint and how quickly those were ripped away you know it, it's 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 right up there in, in one of the worst things to happen to a, to a Boston player that I can remember in, in my in my history and keith very timely you came out with the designated player exception uh story which was well needed because you know it is really a big part of the aftermath and how this team's going to go forward so i do have a few questions for you on that front uh great story by the way you got to go over there and check that out great information in there over on celtics blog but um i initially made the mistake thinking it was cap room just straight up cap room that the team could use eight million it's actually an exception, sort of like a trade exception now that since you've educated me. But uh, what else do we have to know about this? I think my first big question is, if they use this, does that close the book on Hayward coming back this year? Because there are some people holding out hopes and like going off anecdotes. Players say that five months might bring him back by the end of the year. That's one of the questions that comes up most often that I've been asked is, does this mean he's out for the year if the Celtics use it? And the answer is no. If he you know, proves to be a really quick healer and the team is in a position where they want to bring him back, they can. At, at that point, it's just considered to be as much as him going down was an extreme stroke of bad luck. Him returning before scheduled, really before the end of this season, would be an extreme stroke of good luck. So if they were to use it to bring in a player, they Hayward can come back. They're not impacted at all as far as his return or with the player that they bring in with it. Cause that tends to be the follow-up question is, mm-hmm. do they then have to waive the guy that they signed with it? No, it just happens that way. Now that's extremely unlikely because if there's even, this is why the team's being very cautious in the way they're phrasing things. Yeah. And they're the ones who are avoiding putting true timelines on this and that, because if they leave the door open at all, the NBA is just going to flat yeah, deny this. There's an say, application process, isn't there? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is. So what, what ha- has to happen is the Celtics have to apply for it. Now, unless they've done it without it being reported, the, the Celtics are uh, very unlikely to make an announcement in a press release that they've applied for it. It's not the kind of thing you do, um, but it'll eventually come out. So unless they've done it without it coming out, they've not done this as of yet. And that's likely because they're still sorting through Hayward's rehab and recovery process to understand it. But the process is they apply to the NBA, then the NBA's fitness to play panel, which is the panel that basically it's an independent panel that determines if guys are fit to play or not. It's the panel that that ultimately decided if Chris Bosch should return yeah. or not. They decide and or an NBA approved physician looks at it and says, yeah, this guy's not likely to. It is more. The phrasing is a little difficult because the CBA always has to make things legalese. But what it says is the player is more unlikely than not to return before June 15th. Is is there any doubt in this case, you think? uh, That he could return? That that uh, that they look at that injury and say no, like it, it just seems like such a gruesome injury. Just the way everyone reacted to it, the nature of it. I don't. I don't think they'd get denied. I don't know. You want to say no, right? You want to say no. There's no way he's coming back. But if the team's leaving the door open, which they're leaving it a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, without without concretely you know committing to a timeline, 
there is a potential that he could come back there. You know, we've seen reports of people saying guys have returned back from things like this in three or four months if they're quick healers. Other people saying five. Yeah, either one of those timelines brings them back before this the end of this season. So, you know, it's going to be tricky. I would say more likely than not what the Celtics are going to go into with is we're not going to bring him back, even if he's ready. Yeah. There's probably yeah. no reason to rush him back. So I think they're probably going to going to try to beat those timelines well, down. That, and then if he does come back, then it's just a, you know, wow, look at that. What great fortune we had. I hope you all are taking notes. This is just you know, the CBA makes your head spin. Jeff, I'm going to I'm going to bring it back to Keith real quick after this. I'm a big no. Like I don't think there's any way you should bring him back this season. I know everyone's yep. just so hyper emotional right now, but just just get healthy. I mean, there's four years ahead on that. I think it it was a four-year deal or a five-year deal, Keith? Three plus one. Three plus one, so yeah. yeah. You have player option on the fourth year. You got two years guaranteed beyond this. Get him right for those two years. Next year becomes that big year. Your agreement that shut him down for the year? Um, You know, it it depends, and it depends on his his rehab schedule and stuff like that, you know, as Keith said. But at the same time, if, if, you know, if they're being cautious and they have 100% reason to do so, I I would almost feel nervous bringing him back early unless, you know, it's like, oh, my goodness, he's 100%, you know, three months early, and he's already gotten a week or, I'm sorry, another month of getting up into game speed and and game game shape. I mean, I would really want to be – it would have to be a miraculous recovery for him to come back this year. And like like he said, you leave that door open if you you can, but at the same time – there's there's zero reason to push it and and honestly perfect personally i would be really nervous that he would re-injure yeah, it it's based just, on the quick return that that'd be 10 times worse than we're already feeling right now but uh keith yeah you know it's 8.5 million or so give or take with a couple things there factoring into that um do bert so say they make a trade for that player, it needs to be an expiring contract that's coming back to the celtics how does ma- salary matching work in that case and can they get bird rights on a guy? I know the names floating around is Nerlens Noel. I don't think Dallas is in a position to trade him yet, but say that comes up, would they have the right to sign Noel back and go over the cap doing so if they got Noel? Yeah, so so you're exactly right on. It needs to be an expiring contract. So that rules out anybody with an option unless it is a team option that's declined prior to acquisition or a player option that the player declines prior to acquisition. So so that's you know that already now you're limited in your market that you can go for. Is to your question about bird rights. This isn't anything to do with the Celtics portion of, the, of of making a trade. This is fully to do with whether or not that player's bird rights transfer. Yeah. And any player who's playing on a one-year deal who has bird rights, bird rights are voided if they're traded. So in Norland's Noel's case, if he was traded to the Celtics, he loses his bird rights. If he's traded anywhere, he loses his bird rights. And then, no, and there's no way to gain those back. There's nothing that happens with that. The only team that's going to have his bird rights is the Dallas Mavericks. If he goes anywhere else this season via trade, that team loses it. So the Celtics would would lose out. So you're looking at a guy who, who's probably in the last year of a you know, multi-year contract or something like that. If you're really looking for this to be a long-term piece that you're looking to resign, or you're looking at more of a, we can plug this guy in for one year, do the best we can and move forward. Hold on. I actually had a follow-up question on that. Like if you, so New Orleans say theoretically, he will only accept a a max contract at the end of this year. And we, we trade for him. Do we not have the cap space to sign him? 
uh, that's what I'm assuming is the case. Yeah, no, no, not with um, Hayward, Horford, and Kyrie together. They combined for a little over eighty million by themselves of right. the what's projected to be a hundred and one million dollar cap. And then you've got guys like Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. Right. Marcus Morris pretty soon we're completely out of cap space before we even hit the summer. So at that point, the best they could do is a hundred and um, 20% of the previous year's salary for um, Noel, which is a very minor raise. Yeah. So that's, that's not happening. Yeah. That's why I was going to move. Uh, what are some other names out there that you've heard that pr- probably have a better chance ending up here than Noel? Yeah, it's so one thing I would watch for right now is we, we're coming up on a deadline in a little over a week of rookie scale options needing to be picked up, which, by the way, the Celtics have not yet done for Jalen Brown and Terry Rozier. I would not. I got this question a couple of times. Don't read anything into that. Celtics always wait on these things and then they, they do. <laughs> we know that well from smart. Yeah. It's, well, you know, you just want to be careful. You know, if, uh, you know, one of them steps in front of a bus tomorrow, you want to be like, well, you know, we're going to decline his option. So it's, uh, well, this yeah. got really dark, really. This fast. is know, a right? bad well, episode. Well, yeah. Well, I, you take it to the worst possible place knowing it won't possibly get there. Right? <laughs> so it's, um, you know, so with, uh, a guy whose name has been coming up more and more recently is Bobby Portis of the Chicago Bulls. Mm. There's increasing speculation that the Bulls are going to decline his rookie scale option uh, for next year, which then would make him eligible to be acquired by the designated player um, exception or disabled player exception, excuse me. And then the Celtics could, could go get him. Now the challenge with a guy like that is then they're limited to paying him what a, a max of whatever his contract would have been mm-hmm. in the 2018-19 um, season, which in the case of Portis is $2.5 million or so. And that's what happened with James Young this past year when they declined his option. It's, it's so you can't circumvent the cap and, you know, decline an option and then pay these guys $40 million. That That's that's why they put that that safeguard in there so you can't do that and work around it that way. So And there's the fact that he punched the guy in the face. Not too well, yeah, 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 that if you want to take it on the face. <laughs> yeah, well, that... I don't know. The past couple of years, I think some of our fans out there would have suggested the Celtics needed a guy who would punch somebody in the face. <laughs> We, we, we've actually got, you know, you know, Mar- a couple of Marcuses that I'm sure will be up for the task if that ever <laughs> came up. So, like, it sounds like in that situation he would be a, a rental because I can't see Bobby Porras signing for, you know, $2 million or whatever it is that he's, he's making this year. So, you know, it's, it's beginning to sound to me like, you know, any guy that we trade using the you know, disabled player exception is going to be a rental mm-hmm. for this year and not necessarily a long-term piece. Is that pretty accurate? Yeah, you're absolutely right on that. This exception is not designed around a team getting a long-term piece. That's mm-hmm. why it has to be an expiring contract. That's why there's all those limitations to how much you can pay them, which is, you know, it's either half of the player's salary or the the amount equivalent to the non-taxpayer mid-level exception, which in this case half of Hayward's salary would be nearly $15 million, So that's why it's only $8.4 million. In trade, you get the bump of an extra 100000 because of the way the trade rules work. So, so that's where you're at. It's not designed around you going out and, you know, otherwise Danny Ainge would find a way to, you know, knock somebody <laughs> yeah. out every year and you know, <laughs> use this one. To, well, I was going to gonna say, Keith, uh, I think you've got your facts wrong because obviously everything <laughs> is built around making the Celtics better. I mean, yeah, right. Right. all yeah. the rules should be designed around that. <laughs> well, and it's funny, and I've heard some people suggest it's just another way for the Celtics to get these great players. And it's like, all right, come on. I mean, they're. <laughs> 
there's at this there is a no one they can get that can replace Hayward. Yeah, and that's kind of the idea around this exception is you have lost a really good player, and we're going to give you the ability to bring someone in, but it's not going to be someone who's nearly as good. <laughs> the other big thing is because this question comes up a lot is, and it generally goes to like, could they combine it with uh, Marcus Morris's salary or um, Yavaselle's salary or somebody like that and go get a guy who makes 10, 12, 13 million? No, it has mm. to be, it has to be used by itself and it can only be used on one player. That's the other question that keeps coming up too is, well, can they split it and go get two guys who make 4 million? No, nope, can't be done. Got to be used on one player. So it's really one of those things where it's a tool that even when teams are granted it, the Lakers got one a couple of years ago, and the Lakers didn't even use it. Yeah. Or they only used a portion of it very late in the year. I can't remember which it was. But it's because you're not going to just add $8 million to add $8 million. So you have to be a good team. And generally, teams who lose a player that good to qualify for this big of an exception are generally, they're not very good after losing that player. So the Celtics are in this kind of world of, they could still be pretty good, so it's worth exploring and using. The one thing I expect, because I've had, again, a lot of questions of, well, why haven't they done it yet? Well, there's the, the deadline is January 10th, so there's no reason to rush into this. Yeah. They could do it tomorrow. Generally, it takes a few days to a week to play out, and they make whatever move they want to make. Mm-hmm. In addition, any guys who signed one-year deals this summer, they're not eligible to be traded until January or excuse me, mid December rather. I think uh, Bobby Mark said today thirty percent of the league's ineligible to be traded right yeah. now. Yeah, and that so that's the other thing. So so the Celtics don't need to they don't need to rush into anything right now. Um you know, people have been like, well they could go sign Gerald Green with it. Well they could go sign Gerald Green using the minimum exception. Yeah. Not have to yeah. dip into this at all if they wanted to do that. You know, that's that's just you know, we all love Gerald, right? But that's the reality of what kind of player he is at this mm-hmm. point. So it just becomes a situation of they will do it because Danny Ainge is never going to let a an opportunity of flexibility come in. But there's no rush to do it today. You know they'll do it when they're probably closer to ready to actually use the disabled player exception. And the, I hope you guys all took notes because we just finished the uh, big math equation we needed to build to get Gordon Hayward in here, and now we're already on to the next one with him down and out this season. And uh, Jeff, you wrote an interesting piece that came out this morning about kind of reversing history at this point. And you know, I, I was going to say at the beginning of the show, but I thought it'd be a good time to break it, bring it up now. Remember all the complaints about last year and just like, you know, whether how legit this team is and whether they could actually go the distance and, you know, we need real talent in here like that. It just goes to show now with some perspective, you got to enjoy that moment while you're in it. An Eastern Conference run, five games, getting a win against the Cavaliers and now down to this, the whole new team minus Hayward. Last year looks pretty good right now, and I think that's probably the thinking behind your article going back, reversing history, waiting on Isaiah Thomas and his recovery, and then adding Hayward to that. So what what inspired that one? It was an idea that came down from SB Nation. They wanted us to write about, you know, um, what-if scenarios, and they threw a couple scenarios at me, kind of like, what if we drafted uh, Dirk Nowitzki instead of Paul Pierce? What if we do something else? And then I I thought about it, I was like, you know what, we've got a huge what if right now. There was so much change that happened this summer that was totally unexpected, in particular that trading the number one pick and trading the, you know, you know, Isaiah Thomas, the face of the franchise for Kyrie Irving. You know, no one saw either of those things coming and, and you know, to the point where signing Gordon Hayward was like third page news by the by the time the, the season rolled around. So, you know, it was it was a 
it was a kind of a fun thought piece to kind of go back and see. And um, yes, my heart would have, you know, enjoyed still having Isaiah Thomas, but at the same time, now we would have had, you know, assuming Gordon Hayward still gets hurt and there's a whole butterfly effect of, of what would happen in, in these circumstances, if such and such happens, if something else happens, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what we would have, you know, Isaiah Thomas and Gordon Hayward hurt. So then we're, you know, we're, we're a lottery team at that point. And, and, um, dealing with trying to figure out how to sign Isaiah Thomas next summer. So it's a, a lot of it went into that, and it's kind of an interesting what-if scenario. And, and, and you actually touched on something just now that, that made me think, hey, you know, the, 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 the enjoy-the-moment aspect is, is very real to me right now because yeah. I'm, I'm actually going back to that first year when we traded for Isaiah Thomas, and everybody was like, tank, 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 and, and, and Isaiah Thomas was like, no, I'm not having that. Um, we're going to go for the playoffs, and we're going to have we're going to have some fun with it. Mm-hmm. And and that is the the, the baseline, the, the building block that we built the next year on, and built the next year on. And and I, I firmly believe that that's why Al Horford came. That's why you know um, Gordon Hayward came is they because we were building that some mm-hmm. that yeah we're building that firm foundation so we can do that again here. We have we have Kyrie. We've got you know two two plucky young players and or or more actually and you know guys that can develop into something um you know something special here we've got some you know hard-nosed guys the marcuses if you will the the baines of the world so we've got some some great pieces to to build on here and i really do think you know next year add gordon hayward it's you know poop add in an all-star see how things go then and so there was yeah. another side to that as well, and that's the whole Markel Fultz thing. It's been funny through three games. I was yeah. I was Team Tatum all the way, but it is still funny to see everyone who was thrilled about Fultz before saying, eh, through his first three games. <laughs> Keith, it, it yeah. hasn't been pretty for Fultz so far. You do you have some of the highlight reels of him in the free throws, and you know he's on the bench now when they expect him to be a starter, and it's it's three games. I'll be at three games, and Tatum has looked real nice so far, but should we hold the phones on counting t- uh, Fultz out as the next Bennett yet? <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Oof. Yeah, three games into the year, you can't make any judgments like that. I mean, it's, he's still, like I was watching tonight before we jumped on, watching him play the Pistons, and he actually had a play where he completely broke down Avery Bradley off the dribble and got right by him to the rim. I got to watch you know, him. So, you know, when he can do those kind of things, it's there. The, the challenge is, you know, the Sixers, whether they're covering for him or not, they're saying his shoulder is really bothering him, and that's a big chunk of what has messed up his form and those kind of things. You know, who knows? We're, we're not there every day. We don't know the case. But, you know, for me, it's something's got to be going on because I have no idea why he changes his shooting form. It wasn't that bad um, coming into the year. And now the way he shoots free throws, I mean, it looks like, it looks like if I took you out to the court for the first time ever and said, all right, well, I'm going to teach you how to shoot. <laughs> and we started from, you know, ground up at the free throw line. So it really is, it's just a challenge, you know, to kind of tag on to what Jeff was saying though about this season is for, for me, that's what it, what it's about now is just win as many games as you can, but make sure the young guys develop, Yeah, you know, yeah. and they're going to get the chance. I mean, this is still a good team. They're still a playoff team. They're still in the East, you know, so they're probably still, a, you know, going to be fighting for home court advantage. So for me, it is just, you know, just play it out. Let those guys, you know, get out there, get those big game reps. And then next year, we just went through it. They're not going to have cap space, so they're not going to add somebody big. Now, that would never, you, you don't want to preclude Danny from making another massive trade. You know, and we all know who we're dreaming of. Yeah. But it <laughs> we is, don't, don't even mention the name. <laughs> right? right? I know. Because then, then my Twitter is going to be dead for the next <laughs> But anyway, it is, um, you know, but 
the reality is now it's almost like <laughs> K-word. <laughs> yeah, there it is, Jeff. For anybody who's going to just listen, Jeff's making an eyebrow. Um, or, or a singular when, eyebrow. <laughs> hey, when, I, when I'm on the internet, I browse. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, so I would say it is, um, you know, at this point, for me, Hayward is almost going to be like next year's big free agent edition, which is, in a way, it's going to be pretty cool because you're going to have had Tatum, Brown, Rogier, Smart, these guys who are still very young are going to have gotten a lot of big-time reps in big moments, and they're going to have proven what they are, and now all of a sudden mm-hmm. you're going to add this and, this Hayward guy to the mix, and, and you're going to be in that much better of a place. So, you know, it's they're, they're, you sucked me in on the silver lining, so I'm there. Yeah. You know, but, there, but again, that's also the hyper-realistic part of me is I instantly go to, man, it sucks he went down. What do we do next? Mm-hmm. And that's where and that I, was, my, That was always a part of this year, too, whether yeah. he was here or not. They were going to have to pull those guys up and make them productive. Yeah. And uh, it's funny, the whole Hayward situation from the start – the, a guy who seemed as sure as anyone to be out the door was Terry Roger to just shed that extra little bit of salary. And everything added up. I remember now moving back to three saved that little bit of salary. And then, you know, getting Marcus Moore saved that little bit of salary. And then who's here but Roger still at the end of the day. And it didn't seem like a big deal over the summer. But look at the way he's played through these first three games. It just seems like he's taken one big step. We see guys make little steps sometimes. But 14-7 and seven in that win the other day day and you know he's been productive he's been getting minutes he's been on the ball brad stevens seems to be trusting that he can play on the ball in that position he's been in control on his way to the basket those are the things i'm noticing he's already been a better shooter through his career than i could have imagined but roger looks like he could be a big factor on the team this year what have you seen specifically that's jumped out about his improvement jeff well i mean it's just the game slowing down for him is what i keep coming back to he yeah, says that over the summer yeah i mean it really is i mean he's he's seeing the ball he's seeing the the, the defense and and how it's shifting and moving in front of him and and finding those seams and then also looking for the for the players on the kickouts you know he, he's he's been very guilty of tunnel vision for a, a, a lot of his yeah, career Trey said he, that the other week He's going straight up to the basket, and um, and, and like he's, like Craig said, he's basically he's he's going for that, and, and the defense knows it, so they collapse in on him, and they they leave the leave the shooters open because they know he's not going to see them. But this year he's finding them more. He's he's finding his spots a little bit better, and uh, it, it's just been fun to see. And um, you know, it, it, going back to kind of like the roster buildup question too, like it's kind of interesting. Every once in a while, I've seen after covering this team for more than a decade, every once in a while, Danny Ainge likes to take away veterans from his coaches because he knows that the coach's instinct is always to play the veterans, takes away the veterans and leaves kind of, you know, no net behind the, the younger guys. And mm-hmm. so he kind of forces the coach to, to throw those guys in there. And, and I think it's because he believes in them so much. And he, his talent evaluation is that these guys are ready. So therefore here, coach use these guys. And I'll use my, my, my assets and my trade uh, and, and my cap space for other guys. But he really like, you know, with, with three max players, he had, you know, very little, little, um, little to work with in terms of filling out the roster. So he went with a whole bunch of young guys and, and guys and, and rookies. And now when you take one of those all-stars away, man, the, you know, that, that net, that the lack of net really hurts. So um, they're going to, they're going to either bounce and they're, or they're going to be filtered out essentially if they, if they, they can't step up. If you've got another James Young on the team, then he's not going to make it next year. Uh, it, it's just as simple as that. Keith, what's your take on Roger? 
Yeah, it, Jeff hit it. it. The game has slowed down for him. And as the game has slowed down, his best asset, which is his speed, has become even more important. Because instead of him just being this get the ball and charge into the teeth of the defense every single play, now it's he settles. There was a play the other night against Philadelphia. He had T.J. McConnell on him. Now, now you put those two one-on-one in the gym, McConnell's done. But last year, what McConnell would have done was he would have just funneled them into the bigs and let Rozier turn it over, throw up some wild shot or miss. Yep. But what Rozier did was he backed it out, which he never, ever would have done in the previous year. He had he already had him beat, but saw the defense rotating. Then he let everybody else spread as he backed it out. Then he, then he used his secondary attack and went right by him. And that's important because that's, that's growth right there. And that's what we want to see. You know, he's now a third-year guy. He should be at the point where he's starting to step forward and be a better player. And I had my doubts. I was not a Terry Rozier guy. I, I, I didn't think he'd be anything other than a, maybe a decent bench guard. And maybe he still won't be. But now I feel a lot more confident that he will at least be that then that is his ceiling. So, which is, is good. It's, um, it's good to see because he reminds me a little bit of a guy who like Leandro Barbosa, who was just this blur who could come come in and give you 10 points in five minutes when you need it most, yeah. when no one else has anything going, you can just give it to him and now let him make some plays. And it's those moments in games where you need guys like that who can get you through those tough times. And the Celtics are going to have those because of how young they are. There's just going to be times when they're searching for anything that'll work. And it gives Brad's, Stevens that ability to say all right I'm going to go to it and I like what he's doing already he played a lineup the other night where he played Brown Rogier Irving Smart and Horford together now ridiculously small but what it gave him was it gave him four to five depending on Horford in the matchup guys who could create their own look and go by guys and it was when they needed it when philly had kind of closed it in it was getting really tight again and those guys it was it was only out there for maybe a minute or two mm-hmm. but that group could all make plays and get by guys and that's really important to be able to do if you can't if you can't score one-on-one you're you can probably get by in the regular season but in the playoffs you're not going to win anything I'm loving these uh, early season lineups from Stevens. We even saw 13 minutes of Jabari Bird uh, against the Sixers. Who would have imagined that so early in the year, getting him going on his two-way deal with that many minutes? Um, so let's let's talk about Kyrie Irving before we get out of here because we haven't really given our first impressions on him as the guy so far, and we've gone a few games of it at this point. And this is supposed to be a clean show, but the Celtics aren't making it easy with some of their quarters being thrown around out there. <laughs> Love you, Kyrie. Let's keep it easy, though. Come on. <laughs> this team. It's a family program. This yes. team's getting more explicit by the year. Um, right. <laughs> anyway, when it comes to him on the court rather than coming out of the tunnel, um, it's been different. You know, I think yeah. we got so caught up in the comparisons between him and Thomas, and they're fun. They're legitimate. You know, they're on both ends of that draft class. They're both those scoring guards. But it's so different with him leading the offense. You just visually, the way they play, there's so much less pick and roll. You remember how often Thomas ran the pick and roll at this point in that aspect. The explosiveness, it's more dribbling and breaking down the defense than it is that burst to the basket. It's so different. It still blows my mind that we're here at this point. But, uh... It's been interesting, you know, 17 assists, 10 turnovers so far. I feel like two of the games were solid. The Bucks one, I really didn't like his fourth quarter. It, it just seemed like he was forcing stuff up. The shot percentage went way down low, and 
the offense just stalled in the fourth quarter. That was the fact of that loss. How are you feeling about the beginning of the Irving era, Keith? It's so early, but... You know, there's been struggles so far right out of the gate. Thomas was so brutally consistent that I think it's tough to remember what it's like to see a point guard struggle on this team. Yeah, it's it's interesting, you know, so you you can't do it, but there's part of me that says throw out that first game because as cool as the comeback was in the second half, like whatever happened, Very fair night, point. Is, you know, it was just, I mean, it was just going to be whatever, however it played out. So that that one I'm not too worried about. The Bucks game, interesting, right? And it's one of those ones where I think now it's uh, th- things are always better with time. And I loved Isaiah. But Isaiah had plenty of games, too, where he was the only guy taking shots at the end. And as much as we remember all those 20-point fourth quarters and king of the fourth and all that stuff, he had a few that were stinkers, you know, as well. And the team ended up losing those games. Now, they were few and far between, and Kyrie's already had one. So that's the the challenge. What, What I think is tough is... The offense has changed. One of the things that the Celtics had to do eventually was Isaiah, and I broke this down in the playoffs for us, was they had to really widen out the pick and roll and really space it because teams were getting the ball out of his hands. They also ran, in my mind, it looked like a lot more plays for Isaiah where he was not the ball handler and he was yeah. coming off screens. He loves those ones where he came off and immediately went into the jumper and drew the foul. Kyrie doesn't do that. That's not his game. He does not. Isaiah has one of the quickest lifts and releases for any player in the league. He's had to because of how small he is. Kyrie's not that guy. Kyrie's not going to come off the screen making plays. He's going to have the ball in his hands and then make a play. So it's just just slightly different styles. And I think it's one of those things where I'm really curious to see how they look tomorrow night against the Knicks. Everybody. (laughs) Because, uh... yeah, well, it's the challenge is you barely had a preseason. With this right. almost full new roster, then everything you built, you had to throw out the window because your rotations are done. All the plays you wanted to run, pet sets they already had, were are now out the window because guys aren't going to do what Hayward could do. Mm-hmm. So now it's they really it was just remaking on the fly. Having these handful of days of practice is huge. I guarantee you they were in there redrilling, recreating what we want to look like offensively. So I want to see what he comes like out of that. Because what my point. hope is. He comes out of that, and I want to see him attack a little bit more. Yes. Um, I know which some people might be saying, like, he attacked plenty in the fourth quarter, but that was a lot of it ISO went, junk stuff. And that's what you go to. up shots from the corner. To, like, that was an attack, yeah. and that was just throwing up shots. No, and, yeah. and that's what you go to. You go to that ISO stuff when you haven't had time. You know, that's right. why that's what, what you see, you know, usually after a big trade. The teams go into this ISO mode because it's just it's easier and it's yeah. easy to let the best guy get the ball and get out of his way. Now I want to see them get back into running some offense. And I think when they do, it's going to be really solid. And don't forget, too, that Brad Stevens told us all that he he, he pared down the, 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 the um, playbook a lot in order to bring in all these brand new faces. We only had four guys returning, so nobody knew the playbook. So yeah. he, he made it really simple, made it very straightforward. Hey, we've got, you know, three three all-stars that are going to make this thing work. And then, as Keith said, you know, uh, Kyrie Irving, his, he, you know, ISO is where he is his bread and butter. So when he's un, unfamiliar and, you know, uncomfortable, he's going to go back to his bread and butter. And, well, by the way, he's actually really, really good at that. And so you don't want to take that away from him. That's part of his game, and it's part of what makes him special. So I think you, you don't want to take that away from his game. And Brad Stevens is going to include ISO, you know, 
know, ball so, to, to, to a certain extent. I think he's going to try to maximize it as much as possible. I think he's going to try to unlock more of, uh, you know, Kyrie's playmaking and, and moving without the ball. But but there's certainly going to be a, an element of, of isolation ball with him, with Tatum, and with some other guys in this team. So it, the isolation ball is here to stay. It's, it's going to be the most efficient type of iso ball that you can get out of it if that makes any sense yeah. but you know that that's what brad stevens does it's what that's his whole mantra is you know make the make you the the best version of you get you know maximize your your strengths and and minimize your weaknesses and and that's what you're going to see from kyrie irving jordan crawford line one that's right that's right <laughs> there's two sides it's it's his team now so he's going to get that his team criticism now especially without hayward in there but great point by keith this this season has just been so short, and all that's happened on the fly already. Think of the situations Brad Stevens has faced now as coach since taking over here. The first year, the second year, where just players are flying in and out as Danny Ainge is pulling off trades. They had about a year and a half of stability, but that's it. It's been nonstop action here with Danny Ainge hanging over his head as well as other circumstances here. So it's another season of Brad Stevens. We wouldn't want it any other way. That's 40 minutes. I felt like we just talked about a full season, but that's three games right there. <laughs> we didn't even get to Marcus Morris, but the latest on him is uh, October 30th. He's aiming for his return. They're going slow and steady with him, so we're just going to have to expect to keep going forward without him. Tatum, other guys are going to get time at that position, and more reps, as we said, for those rookies. I will say Mar- Morris is going to help a lot when he gets back. I think people are going to be really surprised at how versatile this guy is he was the Pistons used him as almost their mini Draymond Green a lot the last couple of years where they let him do a lot of ball handling and playmaking from above the break and he can do a lot of that which fits in what Stevens wants perfectly um so that, I think I think you're gonna see a lot of I would not be surprised to see a lot of Horford Morris Tatum Brown and Kyrie Smart whoever lineups um out there to, together where where he's doing a lot of ball handling and playmaking he's going to help this team quite a bit fantastic it's it's the end of october we're finally into our first show it feels good jeff another season of celtics blog getting underway and we got a nice little crew here for lots of new writers this year we, we're gonna yep. want to get to know all of them andrew and some of the other guys who are in here we got trags as well now which is a pleasure Jared going out. We said our goodbye to uh, Jared the other day, Jeff. I don't know if you want to give your chance to say goodbye to him as well before we end the show here. Oh, certainly. I mean, it's it's a little bit of like a, a Celtics off season for me. Right? Some <laughs> some stars leaving, some stars coming in, and some a whole lot of new rookies. So it's it's been a fun uh, fun transition, and, and certainly you know best of luck to Jared Weiss and uh, all all, um, all of our love and support out to you, man. And uh, really appreciate the the work that you did for the blog, and uh, totally um, as I told you, you know via email, I, I knew you were going to get a job in, in, the, in the industry and I knew you were going to be a success and so I'm uh, very much uh, happy for you for the, the future of your career man and like I, like I said on the other show did a lot for Celtics blogs image and just getting us up our credentials up and getting our seriousness up as a real uh, journalism institution which is great love the fact that he did that and really pushed to do that. You always saw him just telling guys to try to be credible and not blow smoke on social media. It's it's been a challenge for did me you just here. Say, did you just say get our seriousness up? <laughs> <laughs> I think we need an editor in here. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, I'm I not think, sure that's a word. But I think, we'll I, think it. I think it's a good time to end the show right now. Oh, it's it's hot. Uh, you wouldn't know about this, Keith, but uh, up up here it's that season where in the morning it's freezing, and then in the middle of the day it just gets blazing hot. So that's what I've been dealing with so far up in this last month. It's just nonstop hot for you down there, though. I mean, I'll tell you, yeah, that's exactly it. We're, we're finally uh, breaking out of the 90s. So it's, uh, you know, late October. We're, we're ready. It's like we're going to have a day next week where it's going to, the high is going to be 70 and the lows in the 50s, and I cannot wait. All right. Good night, everybody. That's Jeff Clark. That's Keith Smith. Thanks for joining us today. Please subscribe to our show, The Banners Broadcast. It's on Stitcher. It's on iTunes. It's on all the platforms that you listen to the podcast on, as well as the CLNS Media app. Thank you for tuning in. We're finally into the season, and if you want to hop on the show, send us your questions, send us your takes. The line's open, 978-595-1744 is that number for you to call in. So thank you, everyone, for tuning in so far. Be sure to read Celtics blog as we get into another week of games. Next on Tuesday, like we talked about, Thursday's the Bucks again. Those Bucks. They're tough this year. That is not a fun matchup anymore. It used to be, but it is not anymore. It's the year of Giannis, I think. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Good night, everybody. That's the Banners broadcast number 14. I'm Bobby Manning. Peace. Reunion Arena in Dallas, where the Mavs and Lakers are playing tonight, was built in 1980. Now, you couldn't ask for a better facility. It's easily accessible, has all the comforts of a theater, and there isn't a bad seat in the house. But for some reason, there are those who prefer the Boston Garden, mostly those who wear Celtic green. What is so special about the Boston Garden other than the fact that it's a thousand years old? Let's take a look.